But this morning, I want us to look at 1 Kings chapter 11. If you recall Solomon's story from 1 Kings, you know how impressive it is. Solomon, he's anointed king, is blessed by his father David. He establishes his reign. He receives an abundance of both wisdom and wealth. He builds the temple and the palace. He brings the Ark of the Covenant back. He causes uh, Israel to move into a place where they're now a major player in the region. And all of that takes place in the first 10 chapters of 1 Kings. But then when you come to 1 Kings 11, we're going to now read how Solomon's story ends. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. My man was doing it. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Finish well. Finish well. It's not how you start. We got to stay the course. We got to keep the faith. We got to hold on. It's not about a one time experience. We got to finish well. That's what we're looking at this morning. Finishing well. I'll never forget the time in my life when I was in the military. I grew up poor. Shelters, projects. My mom was a drug addict, alcoholic. I thank God she's not that today. Um, but when I went into the military, I told nobody. I, four days before I left, I, I told my wife and I told my youth pastor. And I said, hey, I'm going to the military, partly because I, I'm an emotional, detached person. I didn't want them to, to cry, do any of that stuff. I'm out of here. But I remember going to the military, and when you go there, they have you pack your bag. And, we, and, I, and I showed up on the flight, and it's nighttime when you show up. And they're very nice to you. Come in, hey, Jason Campbell, come, come over here, sir. Do all this stuff. They got us on the bus. And we're on the bus, and, it, and now we're driving, and all you're starting to see is trees. Then you, you enter the military base. And I have no concept of where I really am, because I've never been outside of Massachusetts. And all I was thinking was, if I die here, like nobody's going to know. No one's going to know where to find me. And as soon as that bus stopped, the yelling began, the screaming began. Get off the bus, hurry up. And we're all running. We don't know what's going on now. But there's fear that's all over me because I'm thinking I have nobody. But I, I realize now that it was part of tearing you down to build you back up. Tearing you down so that way there's a mentality that's about to be built. And all over where we were at, our company was G Company, Golf Company, and so we were called G Force. That was, that was our deal. And you had Alpha Company, Bravo. None of, none of these companies mattered to us. We were the best. 
And, and we were to show them we were the best because every morning at four in the morning, the crack of, before the crack of dawn, it's freezing cold out, we'd have to line up. And as we would start marching, your left, get in step. It was always an easy pace. Your left, get in step. Your left, right or left. As soon as we could see a company, our lead guy would say, we are G-Force. And that's it. All of us had to come in. It was just picture a mega choir. We are G-Force. And we would scream. And our sergeant said, we don't want to hear any other voice. The only voice I want you to hear is us. Nobody else mattered. They, they wanted our minds to be concentrated on them and what they were trying to teach and do with us. And so we had this competition that was coming up in between the, the companies. And uh, I looked and I looked to see what they had available. And it was a rucksack march team. So I said, OK. I said, I'll sign up for that. Didn't know what it was, but thought it was something easy. Sign up for it. I walk into the team meeting. And when I walk in there, senior drill sergeant McCray says, Private Campbell, I hate white people. And I looked at him and I said, I don't care who you hate. I didn't say that. <laughs> I was scared. He was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, black, strong guy. I said, I signed up for the wrong team. <laughs> He's going to kill me. But the day the competition comes and, and our team starts out, there's about 50 of us. And we're marching and they're motivating as we're doing this march. And, and it, it's for a few miles that we're into this march. And we're about the halfway point And I start hearing them say, uh, straighten it out, pull it together, tighten it up. You're falling behind. And it was like that sign that, hey, we're not winning. And so I was closer to the front. And I just had a dumb idea come in my mind. And I said, I'm going to go to the last guy in our team and I'm going to grab their rucksack. And I'm going to carry it for them. And they're going to go to the front and I'll bring it back to them. And so I got out of line and I go down. I grab his, his thing. And he's looking at me. I said, you just go to the front. I'll eventually get back up to you. And I'm carrying 100 pounds now, bringing it back up. Drop the load to him. I go back again. Then some of my other guys on the team that were in the front, they leave the front of the line. So we had a whole bunch of us that was carrying 100 pounds. And we're getting closer now to the finish line. And I can hear the voices change now. Hey, we're almost there. Come on, keep it going. We're almost there. We're almost there. And we all cross the finish line. You're probably wondering if we won. I don't know. Because once we cross the finish line, my senior drill sergeant McCray said, Campbell, Private Campbell, what a way to finish. You're the first white person I like. <laughs> and then he said, he said, you guys finished well. It didn't matter that we messed it up along the way. It didn't matter that we started staggering on the way. He says, it's not about how you start. But how do you finish? And he said, you finished well. So I didn't care if we won or not, because when he said you finished well, that was good enough for me. I felt accomplished. I felt like I did something. So here we are with Solomon's life. He's known as the wisest man who ever lived. His dad's King David. He's reigned for 40 years in Israel. He's the top. Solomon's wisdom is best exemplified 
by the famous story of the two women in the Bible. You remember the two women that was claiming the same baby? That, that wasn't Maury Povich. That was in the Bible. And Solomon said, cut the baby in half. And mama said, no, 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 no. And Solomon said, that's the mother. God had given him a wisdom for it. And, and people saw that Solomon's wisdom extended not only to resolving conflicts, but to matters of governance, to, um, to, to, and to creating a stability for them to be able to operate and move. And under his rule, Israel experienced a period of unprecedented wealth and stability. Solomon's life is marked by his pursuit of knowledge and understanding. Proverbs, Solomon, Ecclesiastes teaches us all practical stuff about life. When you read Proverbs, especially as a man, you're like, man, I did that. That's dumb. Like he just had so much truth in there. So applicable to life. Things that can that can help us. However, despite his wisdom, Solomon also faced challenges and he made mistakes. His numerous marriages to foreign women led him astray from God. And he allowed the worship of other gods to infiltrate the kingdom. The life and wisdom of Solomon serves as a reminder that even the wisest of us can be foolish. Even the wisest, even though those of us that say, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been walking with the Lord. Well, listen, if you're walking with the Lord, that's one thing. If you just known him or known about him for 30 years, I got questions. Because you need to be close to him. You need to be able to hear his voice. It's not about starting out well. He was the wisest man. How could he make a mistake? How could he have God's ear and make those mistakes? Solomon serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of straying from God's commandments. His wisdom and wealth were indeed prominent. But remember this, Solomon's wisdom was a gift from God. It wasn't God. It was a gift from God. God blesses his people, but the blessing isn't God. It's just a gift from him. He's given you something. And Solomon somewhere got it twisted and began to worship the gift that he got. And he began to stray and he began to fall away because he got caught up on the blessings. And not God anymore. His wealth was extraordinary. Right. Solomon built this this first temple. How great it must have been. That he built this temple. I mean, it, it had the best of the best. It was opulent. It had gardens. It, it had everything. A place, finally, where people can come to worship. Where people could come and, and, and uh, meet God. The temple was adorned with precious metals, gold, silver, cedar wood. Solomon then goes and builds a palace of his own. That was a grand structure. It was filled with lavish stuff. So lavish that even the Queen of Sheba, the Bible says, made her way over. However, it's worth noting that while Solomon's wisdom and wealth were were remarkable, they also became a source of temptation. Your blessing can cause you to fall. (laughs) Some people get so caught up that God has blessed me. 
He's blessed me with this. And, and the more you hear them talk about how blessed they are, the less you hear about God. He's given me this. He's done this for me. And then it's now I can do this. Now I'm trying to do this. Now I want to be able to see this. God becomes distant. Solomon's shortcomings was this tendency to accumulate wealth and indulge in materialistic desires. He started out as wise and faithful. It's not about how you start out. It's always going to be about how you finish. You can have a great today, but if you don't make it tomorrow, nobody cares about today. In our walk with God, you can have a great start at that baptismal tank. But on the day when he says, hey, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. I don't want to hear. Get away from me. I never knew you. You got caught on the blessings. You got caught on me taking care of you. You forgot about me. One day you was asking me, saying you needed me. Whatever it takes, I'll serve you. Whatever it takes. I gave you it and you left me. You forgot about me. God didn't tell him that he wouldn't take care of him. But he said, Solomon, I will take care of you. But Solomon said, no, I want the silver. I want the gold. I want the horses. Opposite of David. I think it was David that said horses and chariots. He said, I don't want none of that. He said, I want God. Solomon said, no, I want this. And the reason why it was wrong, because it was forbidden. It was forbidden by God's law for the kings of Israel. Another challenge that he had was the unity of the kingdom. While he's pursuing and doing this, he created a burden on all the people. Unity matters. This unity will rip apart any dream that anybody, one person can have. This unity caused Solomon with his poor decision making to rip the kingdom apart. Solomon's foreign alliances and marriages proved to be a challenge. While they initially brought that wealth and stability, slowly it began to erode the faith of God's people and even Solomon himself. I don't want any blessing that's going to pull me away from him. I don't want anything added to my life that means I get less of him. I need more of him. I need to stay focused on him. I need him to be the priority. It's him first. It's him first. Then my family. Then the church. It's him first. I can lose the rest of the stuff. I can't lose him. I can lose the material things. I just can't lose him. Come on, somebody. I can lose the job. I can lose the house. I can lose the money, but I just can't lose him. So this morning, I want to give us four lessons that we can learn from Solomon. And the first is this. Seek wisdom. First Kings three, nine. Solomon said, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Seeking God's wisdom is important in every decision we make. Not only in the bad decisions, not when you have no choice. I shouldn't be seeking wisdom every time it goes wrong. When he gives me the new promotion, God, is this what you want? 
when he opens the door of new relationships. Is this what you want, God? Show me what you want. In the good times, I, the good times, we especially need to seek his wisdom. Because the blessings of God can lead us astray. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and then he will make straight your paths. God's wisdom surpasses our own because he sees the bigger picture. We see the mountain. He already sees the other side of the mountain. We see the night. He already sees the morning. We see the storm. He sees the break in the clouds. He sees what we can't see. And the only way for us to get lined up with him is when we give it to him. When we give it to him, he says, hey, I know you can't see it, but here's some strength to keep you going. Here's some joy to keep you going. I know that you think there's that nothing can come out of this, but let me do my job. You stay faithful to me and let me do my job. Here's the second thing that we can learn from Solomon is to guard our heart. When you walk with God, if you're a strong Christian, you know how to guard your heart. You don't let anything come against it. First Kings 11 says, for it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart against other gods. In verse six, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David, his father. The Bible warns us about the dangers of compromise in our faith and integrity because it leads us away. It doesn't have to be a denial of Jesus. It doesn't have to be a denial of what he did on the cross, but we're just thinking about the blessings. We're thinking about the busyness of life. We're thinking about what we got to do tomorrow and we're slowly moving away. Why? Because you guys say prayer is our anchor, right? Every day as a believer, not as a preacher, not as ministers, you ought to be in your word. Nobody needs to tell you you need to be in your word. Nobody needs to tell me I need to be in my word every day. I need to talk to him. I need to talk. I need to talk to him because as much as I got Mike for my back, he is not there with me when the emotions and the things come on me. And I feel like I can't make it. And if I don't have a prayer life and if I'm not grounded and if I don't know him, if I don't know him, I'm not going to be able to come out. It's our, I don't want to even say it's our obligation. He changed my life so much that I want to show him that I love him by just doing it. I just love him and I want him to know I love him and I'll do whatever and I want to stay close to you. Guard your heart. Second Timothy says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will... uh, accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into paths. When we compromise our faith, we become vulnerable. When you stop going to God, I'm going to tell you, you're going to become vulnerable. You stop reading his word, you're going to become vulnerable. And it's real easy to hear what the world is saying, what success is, what happiness is, what's going to bring you true joy. It doesn't come outside of Jesus Christ. Matthew 5 says Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He encourages us to be the light shown before others. Why? So he can be glorified through the good works that we're doing. When we compromise our faith, we can compromise our testimony to those that are around us. 
to those that see us. Compromising our faith can hinder our personal growth. That's why Hebrews encourages us. It says, lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely so that we can run the race of faith with endurance. It's not a fast race, but you'll see people take off fast in the race. And uh, somewhere down the line, you see that person getting passed by a lot of people. It's a it's a race of endurance. When we compromise, we carry unnecessary burdens that we don't have to carry. When we begin to compromise, we we then think that we can do what God can only do for us. Lesson three, we can learn from Solomon, cultivate a heart of gratitude. Solomon dedicated that temple and he had a heart of gratitude. Second Chronicles says, as he stood before that altar in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands, uh, Solomon said, there is no God like thee in the heaven, nor in the earth, which keep his covenant and show us mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee. With all their hearts. Solomon acknowledged God's faithfulness, his goodness, his covenant promise. He said, you did exactly what you said, what you told my father you would do. And he worshiped him in that moment. And his prayer of dedication recognized that no temple can contain God. This place can't contain God. But he said, this is a place where people can come to find God. Right. This is a place where people can come and experience God. And so when Solomon finished praying, the Bible says fire came down. Isn't it something when you spend time with God and fire comes down? When you read his word and some and and, and God moves in your heart because expressing gratitude not only honors God, but it also invites his presence in your life. When you honor God with gratitude and thankfulness, he says, I'm I'm here. I'm here. This person realizes that I've done something. They're not even asking me. See, Solomon, when he gave gratitude, it wasn't about how grand the building was. It was about God's goodness and his faithfulness. And he probably there was probably a little thought in his mind. I haven't been faithful to you, God, and you're still showing up. I I haven't come through on the part that I've done, but you're still here. It'll never be about materials with God because he has it all. Here's the last lesson. Persevere in faith. Persevere in your faith. First Kings 11. May this never be said of us. And if you hear this, may we repent right away. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore, the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David, thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David, my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Solomon initially had a strong relationship with God. When you read Solomon's story, there's a verse that Solomon says, I love you, God. I love you, God. Anybody remember that day in our life? 
I love you, God. I love you. And God began to bless his life. And the Bible says slowly his heart began to turn away. It serves as a warning that even those of us who have experienced God's blessing and wisdom, we can be led astray. Those of us that have experienced God's move in our life and saw God do great things in our life. Solomon shows us that even after all the goodness that God has done, we can be led astray. We have to guard our hearts. We got to remain steadfast in our devotion to him. That's my prayer. Guard my heart, God. Keep me. Because in life, it's real easy to be excited about the blessings. It's not hard to be upset about blessings. No one ever gets money and says, I'm mad that you gave me money. No one gets keys to the house and says, I hate this house. But what happens when the blessings start leading you away? What happens now when you start life starts hitting you? Sickness hits you. We saw this week. I'm I'm with you guys from a distance. I'm like, Lord, not this week. Not this week. Not Pastor Hoffman. What do you do when you feel like I'm naive? I, I was a naive Christian. I thought when you gave your life to Christ and you told him I'll do whatever it takes and you're voluntarily doing it, I thought nothing's going to happen to me. I'm protected, right? I'm a child of God. Nothing can happen. What do you do when the godly people in your life, that God is connected to you? I started a church, I think it's seven years ago. And when we started a church, I was so scared. I wanted to make sure first it was what God wanted. And so we got some people that know me, that can be direct with me about it. And uh, I said, man, I said, listen, I want you guys to pray. And if you don't feel it, I said, you tell me you don't feel it because I don't want to do anything that God doesn't want. And so all so they all came back and, and they were behind it and we moved forward on it. I'm doing God's work. And we're getting ready to, to open the church. And the enemy attacks my family. One of the most devastating moments in my life. The enemy came against my family. I thought, God, why? Could have just told one of the three of my friends, tell them no. And we wouldn't be here. Then then we were able to get through it. Me and my wife and my family, we got through that moment. I thought, oh, this is good. We're ready to roll now. And I I had my best friend come down a couple years ago and we're sitting in my backyard over a campfire. And we're talking about goodness of God. We're talking about going on trips, you know, with our wives. And we're talking about what ministry looks like. And a week later, he dies in an accident. Close in age with me. I'm thinking, why, God? Why? Three months after that, three and a half months after that, the guy that brought me to church, my childhood best friend, Kashaka, got hit with COVID, dies in the hospital. God, I'm serving you. Where are you in this? What is going on? Didn't understand what was going on. Well, what did happen was my wife had did one of those 23 and me. I never knew my father. 
I grew up in the shelters in the project. Never knew my, my, I never had a stable house life. Never knew it. 41 years, but it's always been a prayer in my heart, and my wife knew it. It's always been something. So I took that 23andMe, and it matched up with an uncle. And the uncle called me, and he said, oh, I don't know. You know, I got to reach out. He's married. And I'm like, oh, Lord. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And when, they, when my dad found out, he showed up at my house. And it was in that moment what I, something that I needed because he said, if I would have known, I would have never left you. You would have never been you would have never been on your own. I would have did my best to take care of you. He reaffirmed things. And I and and it's one of those prayers that sometimes we think that when we're going through stuff that God doesn't know. But I believe he does know. And I know he has ways of showing us and, and causing things to happen. And in that moment, I was so excited because I felt like there was a hope there. And I only got to spend the next 18 months with him. And then my next step was holding his hand in the hospital as he held his last breath. I said, God, why? When you, what Solomon missed out on was whether it's blessings or life, we need a relationship with God. We need a firm foundation with God. A successful Christian life isn't, you know, a big family, this nice house, all the money. That, 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 that could be a definition of, of success. But God's definition is, do they love me? Do they serve me? Are they willing to do whatever I'm asking them? Can I call them? And they respond on it. See, whether it's the blessings or the cursings of life, Solomon missed out on an opportunity to build a relationship that would have grounded him. And so even though trouble may come our way, we can stand grounded. Do I have the answer for what's hitting me in life? No. Do I know when it's going to turn around? No. But what I do have is a God that says, hey, listen, come cast all your cares on me. Come cast all your cares on me. You carrying a burden that I said I would carry. We got to stay steadfast and persevere in our faith and don't waver. You know, it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. It's not about how much you accomplish in life. It's not about what you get. But if you lose out on God, none of it matters. I could tell you right now, if everything was going well with church and God gave me back the ones that I loved, and, and, and I continued on to have a good career with the fire department and he walked out. I lost. I lost. But if I can walk this life and I can stay faithful to him and some things go missing in my life. I say, God, I don't know why, but I'm still going to trust you. I know that he's going to be able to cover me. I know he's going to be able to guide me. I can't take stuff over God. He's too important to me. I'm closing. If you ever been at a race, I like to run. My buddy Mario likes to ride his bike. But whenever you show up at race day, a couple cool things happen. They give you a free T-shirt. You really paid for it, so it's not free. Um, and then they give you a number. And then you got your people with you. They're all excited. You're going to do good. Right? And everyone's all. You, you never look at that crowd and say, this isn't a group I want to be around. Because they're motivated. They're happy to be there. But at the same time, when you catch that moment, you would almost think like, 
It doesn't take much to do this. Right? There's a reason why the Boston Marathon has so many people that lock in and watch it. And one of the reasons I could tell you that um, it's so popular is not because they let anybody race it. If they let anybody that got caught up in the hype of the Boston Marathon race it, they wouldn't finish it. How, how would the story go? Oh, we got another one down, cramping over here, mile seven, right? All these people that, that fail and bail out because they realize it takes something. It takes training to be able to run that race. And in our walk with God, it's the same thing. When we look at our race, it's, it's the greatest moment when you realize that you need God as your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest moment when you get baptized and your sins away. It's the greatest moment when you receive the Holy Ghost. It is, a, it is an awesome moment. But like racing, and I like that Paul talks about it, like racing, life happens. And when you go in that race, you're excited. You're, some of your energy is already getting sapped because your adrenaline's going. But as you start to run, all of a sudden now you got to get focused. You got to get balanced. And, you, and, and somewhere down the line, you start feeling some pain and stuff. But you realize I've been training for this. I'm, I, I ain't stopping the race for this. And life does that in the believer's walk. Sometimes life throws some stuff and you feel like, where is God in this? He's right there. Why didn't he answer this prayer? I don't know. But I know he's answered other prayers. I know every believer has had prayers answered. But when the prayers that don't get answered hit us, we want to know where he's at. In this race that we're running with God, we, it, it's a race of endurance. And the Bible tells us that it's not for us to carry our own burdens. He said, take, take my yoke on you. He didn't say keep your yoke. It's take my yoke. Why? Because it's lighter. Right. You guys know you, you 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 have the picture of it. Right. The two oxen carrying it. Right. And you put some more. The, the load gets lighter. It's how it is with Jesus when we trust him with the things we're going through. I like what Paul said in Philippians. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't gotten it all done. I don't know everything. One thing I, I know is when I leave this earth, I will not know as much as I think I should know about God. He is so, so big. He's so wide. Like it's just, he's incomprehensible. Like there's so, certain things about him that I'll never understand. But it's a race that we're running. He says, I, I haven't comprehended, but this one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, I'm going to forget. You want to know what Solomon could have did in that moment when God spoke to him? Could have repented. I believe it. I, Christians, you ought to know that when you mess up, all you got to do is repent. Give it to God. Don't run from him. Don't hide. Don't make excuses. Because all, all God was telling Solomon was, when you repent, you line back up with my will. It's not a matter of losing blessings. It's not a matter of starting over. He says, I want you in my will and not your will. You don't have to carry that. You don't need to sit there and try to avoid me and hide me. Give it back to me. Forgetting those things which are behind. Any good Christian knows how to put some things behind them. But I press toward the mark. That's what we're doing. We're pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I didn't win every fight, but I was there fighting. 
I finished my course. And I kept the faith. You want to know how to finish well? First church, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Come on, let's stand this morning. You want to finish well? Keep the faith. You might not see it right now. You might have things happening in your life right now that are distracting you. I'm encouraging you to keep the faith. Recommit your life back to him. Maybe the blessings have been coming in your life and you've been distracted. God, I want to recommit this morning my life. I want my will to line up. I don't want anything, God, that's going to pull me away from you. Turn me away. I don't want my story to end. He started off well. Oh, he had fire. Oh, there's an anointing upon him. I want my story to end well done. Not you did everything perfect. Well done. You're still here. You didn't quit. Oh, I know some of those other people told you you should have quit. You didn't quit. Well done. I'm glad you're here. I know they didn't believe in you, but you believed in what I spoke into your life. You believed in what I told you. And I told you that I would never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be there with you in the fire. I'll be there with you in the water. There is no situation that you're going to go through that I won't be there. Why don't we come down to the altar today? I want to finish well, church. I, Jay Campbell, I want to finish well. I want to know him. I don't want my heart to be pulled away from him. I want to know you, God. I want you to be alive in my life. I want the presence of God every day to be in my life. When I wake up, I want him there. When I go to work, I want him there. When I walk through the problems of life, I want him there. When he blesses me, I want him there. I want him there all the time. Anybody want him there? Oh God, we worship you this morning. We want to recommit our lives to you. We're asking you to move and guide us and lead us and strengthen us. Come on. Moving out.